down in the grip of oppression I fought for my liberty I paid with the blood of my people Freedom has never been free Now my door's always open To dreamers and friends But when I'm attacked I protect and defend Because my name is America I stand proud and free Hello everyone Welcome, you are listening to Karen Schoen. This is the Prism of America's Education, brought to you on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. We'll talk about the Alliance later because we're doing some phenomenal things. Like everyone, we went through some real highs and lows this past week, and uh, No matter what you felt about the queen, she was a symbol that will be sorely missed because she really represented the past. And if these globalists have their way, we will have no past except for the one that they designed for us, which, of course, will never tell you what Queen Elizabeth was all about. And she was the queen as long as I was alive. And I am going to be very interested to see what her son, King Charles III, is going to be doing because he is a big environmentalist and has been responsible for leading England down this, I would say, cold road that they're going to be facing by not allowing them to drill or to mine for the things that they can use to keep their country self-sustaining. So this has nothing to do with anything other than the global elite want it all. They always do. They say that all the time. And this time, it is a pleasure to see As we looked this past week, so many other countries are beginning to understand what's at stake, and the people are rising up. They rose up in Canada and elected a very, very conservative man who was talking very similar to the way our MAGA people are talking. They want their Canada back, and they cite the wonderful truckers and the show of nationalism that the truckers gave them. And therefore, the opposition party, the now, I guess it's right-leaning party, it's confusing sometimes, uh, the right-leaning party is now going to be in charge of Canada, which will make it difficult for Trudeau to do a lot of the things that he will, that he wants to do. We also had a great Um, election in Sweden, and that country took a big right step. Italy, Italy, the same thing. Brazil is Bolsonaro. He's another one. People are beginning to understand what's at stake, and they don't want some foreign elite who basically got that way from stealing from us to begin with to come in and rule and control their countries. They don't want somebody to tell them how to live, uh, what their economy should be, what they should eat, what time they should go to bed, what their thermostat should be. They don't want that. 
they say, do your job, protect our borders. That's all we care about. And leave us alone. We can govern ourselves. That's why we have a representative republic. Well, we all know how everything is connected. And the big granddaddy of all of this is the climate, because they took that upon themselves, the global elite, to use the climate as their um, battle cry, because climate affects everybody. So instead of teaching the people how to live with the climate that they have and how to be prepared for that sudden danger that whenever it appears, they scare the people and make them afraid. And that's what they do with everything. And one of the places that I love to go to to reference because the writers are so incredible and the people are wonderful is the Heartland Institute, which uh, Sterling Barnett is going to be joining us because he is an expert, also part of Heartland, and has incredible articles that discuss what's really going on. <laughs> yeah, what is really going on? Thank you, Sterling, for joining me today. Thanks for having me on, Karen. Good to be back. Yeah, it is always wonderful. So... What do you think about what's going on in the world? Do you think we have a chance? Uh, well, you know, we always have a chance. Uh, in my lifetime, there have been uh, great leaps forward and then great leaps backwards and small steps forward and small steps backwards. Um, so, you know, where we end up uh, in the in the next, uh, I, I'm not, one of these guys that likes to great gaze into a crystal ball. I, I don't have the uh, hubris to think I know what the future holds. Um, it looks like that we, that conservatives may make some gains in Italy. And uh, I think you said Sweden. I think that's right. Uh, I don't know about Canada. I know that, that the, uh, the conservative party there elected a new leader, but um it's not clear that they'll have, you know, that they'll gain seats in parliament and just dis, dis, displace Trudeau. He was just overwhelmingly reelected not long ago. So um, uh, I, I, I think that we've still uh, got to worry about what's going on in Canada. And of course, we've got to really, really worry about what's going on here and uh, you know, whether uh, I, I honestly, I honestly don't understand why every, I don't care whether it's a MAGA Republican candidate, every Republican candidate, whether someone that had by uh, uh, Trump support or didn't, uh, whoever is running for office as a Republican, I don't understand why the main question they bring up, what, what they don't just hammer this point again and again and again and again at every public meeting, at every handshaking event, in any debate is, are they, they need to ask the question that Ronald Reagan asked. Are you better off now than you were two years ago? I could not agree more. And I, it seems as though the uh, people, the um, rhinos, have forgotten their, what, what they're fighting for. You, you talk to them and you even ask them or you ask a question about ESG or CRT or something like that. And this is a person that's going to represent you and they go, huh? 
what but, are we know, talking about? I, they do need to be more knowledgeable. There's no question. But my point is, is to me, a little bit more fundamental. I don't care if they're a rhino or not. If mm -hmm. I'm running for office as a Republican, and there's a chance at all, if I'm not in a safe district, and there's a chance at all that I'm not going to win that election, why am I not hammering the one question? Are yep. you better off now than you were two years ago? Not two months ago. Yeah, gas prices have fallen the last two months, but they're not where they were two years ago. Uh, food prices are not rising as rapidly. They're still going up, but they're not rising as rapidly as they were two months ago. So Democrats want to claim, oh, well, see, we're, we're getting under control. Ask yourself, are they cheaper than they were or as cheap as they were two years ago? In the end, we elected a guy president. We left Democrats in power or put Democrats in power, and they've run the country into the ground. And anybody running for office should be hammering that point. No matter, I don't care what other issues they want to bring up, get down in people's faces and say, you have to pay your bills. Are you better off now than you were two years ago? That's the fundamental point. You're right. You are absolutely right, because if your answer is not no, <laughs> then why are you continuing to do the same thing over and over again that is going to keep you in the same position? How dumb is that? And we certainly, we've been called a lot of things. Dumb has not been one of them. But you're right, Sterling. We need to take advantage of the tools that we have and distraction. And that is exactly what's going on. Yeah, yeah. I this do. is most of this is a distraction from asking the real question, which is, are you better off this year than you were two years ago? So all of these other nonsensical things are taking away from the real issue, which to me, there's two real issues, and that is immigration and inflation. Nothing and else matters. Nothing else matters at all. And, and, and even on, you know, on immigration, are we better off now than we were two years ago? Certainly not on foreign policy. I think other things matter. I think the world being a safe place matters. Are is the world safer now than it was two years ago? Uh, are our allies Israel in the middle East? Have we, how many of those uh, peace deals have we signed since Trump left office? He signed, he signed four while he uh, at the end of his term, uh, how many have been signed since uh, Biden took office? Not a single one. Are, is, it, is our relationship with the Middle East better now than it was four years ago? You know, I mean, two years ago. In the end, it, it, it doesn't matter almost what the policy issue is. If you care about the Second Amendment, if you care about the First Amendment, are your, is your right to speak better off now than it was two years ago? Is your right to bear keep and bear arms better off now, safer now than it was two years ago? Um, if not, if your answer to those, and it almost certainly for almost anyone is not, um, <laughs> then you got to change course. Don't let a temporary blip of uh, improvement uh, dissuade you from thinking now we've turned the curve so these guys are okay. That's true. Don't let them fool you because that's really what they want to do. I mean, that's they're lying to us, folks. They have been lying about everything. I don't I can't even find one thing that there isn't a lie connected to. They, they want to redefine recession. 
Biden says we're not in a recession. <laughs> right. Really? And, and then they want to say, economists say we're not. No, economists say, no, economists are the one that defined recession. And they say we're in a recession. Their definition says we're in a recession. Don't pretend. Well, they are what I call the wordsmiths, because what they like to do is change the definition. So we're talking about one thing. They have taught their yeah. uh, sheeple something else. So we're talking about two different things. And then you can't have a conversation because all you do is get angry because you're not communicating. And that's People. what they want. People need to read their Orwell and their Huxley newspeak here is what they've got going on. Yes. And where do they start this? The one place that always annoyed me that nobody asked the question of where is this coming from? Where, why? Somebody once said, why are all of the people saying the same thing? How do they know that? And I'm thinking, oh, okay, what is the one common denominator that up until very recently, every American in some part of their life did? What is the one thing that everybody did? What did they do? They went to school. So where do you think all of this is coming from? It's coming from school. And I believe Sterling, this is my theory, is that ESG is a, an affirmative action for corporations because oh, they're not rating anything anymore on quality, nothing. And then no. they lower the standards more and more and more. It's the woke takeover of corporations through the idea that, that what counts is some some amorphous some amorphous uh, group called stakeholders as opposed to people who own the company called stockholders people who put their hard-earned money into companies to own companies to own shares in companies they should have a say in the company people who just say well the company sort of affects me one way or the other shouldn't have a say if they want to have a say invest like everybody else but you invest because you want to make a profit. That's what the companies were formed for. Instead, the leadership of these companies, they've become so disconnected from the shareholders. Um, they have their own political goals and they're enforcing those goals and, and, and their woke political goals. You know, Bank of America is woke. BlackRock, the largest investment firm in the world, is woke. They have decided that what's important uh, because they've made their money, they don't have to worry about uh, whether they're going to be able to eat or retire or, or travel. Um, they've decided what, what companies should be concerned about is, uh, call it what you, equity concerns, gender concerns, climate concerns. Pick your woke topic, and that should be the company's main interest as opposed to making a profit for the people who own the company. Yes, that is the idea. And making a profit, folks, is not a bad thing. People who invest in a company take a risk. And that risk is, is the company going to do what their tagline says they're going to do, what their mission statement is, is the product that producing the service that they're, that they're giving? Is it going to be top notch? And am I going to profit from that as the company grows? You're helping a small company grow. 
and then you're helping a bigger company grow bigger. That's the idea. But if that company goes belly up, what happens to you and your money? To be fair, there are people who want to invest based on their values. Uh, they, they care. They, I, I would guess they, they, it's not that they don't care about profit, but profit is not their prime motivation. Maybe they're not concerned about their retirement. Maybe they just want to have an effect. And so, but that's fine. There are companies that were formed by people who share their values, invest in those companies. There are stock funds, green funds, social equity funds, pick, pick your fund that don't invest in businesses that they consider uh, operating in industries that they say are dirty or, uh, you know, uh, bad. Fine, purchase that. But you, what you shouldn't be able to do is to demand a company, for instance, in the fossil fuel industry, stop being in the fossil fuel industry. That's what it wants to be in. Uh, and someone like BlackRock shouldn't be able to put board members on. They're supposed to be passive investors taking care of the money uh, entrusted to them to return it to the retirees. I mean, most of these people, most of the big funds, the truth is most of the big funds are retiree funds, especially public pension funds. And I may be a, uh, a uh, waste disposal person. I may be a police officer. I may be a, you know, a school teacher. But when I'm putting money away in my retirement fund, my pension fund, what I want is a comfortable retirement. And I don't want somebody else using my fund to enforce their values at the expense of my retirement. And what that's, and that's what we find out is when you remove, when you take out diversity of companies in, in large stock funds, your returns go down. And I'm sure, you know, Karen, most of these public pension funds are already underwater. They, they're not going to be able to meet the promises that they've made to uh, future retirees unless they find new sources of money. So if they're investing in ways that actually reduce returns, that's madness. Well, that's the problem. And then the other problem is, um, are the taxes. So by the time you're finished as a retiree, all of those promises of we're not going to tax Social Security and we're not going to tax your retirement and you'll take money out. It'll be at a lesser value and blah, blah, blah. So all of those lies were also to benefit the same people that are lying now. Unfortunately, what we have to do is, I think, that uh, we need much, many, many, many more people to send out copies of Heartland's magazine <laughs> and to join and to see and understand. One of the things that I liked about Heartland and reading their articles is that they are made for the everyday person. You don't have to be a scientist to understand what they're saying. The authors are excellent. So please I'm giving you a plug. Well, I appreciate, I appreciate that. It. I, I, uh, I, uh, I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> we, we agree on a lot of things, but nowhere do we agree more than on the fact that uh, more people need to uh, read Heartland materials and support Heartland. Um, you know, you mentioned that our work is accessible to people and that is something 
that I personally, and I think everyone else at Heartland that works in the different areas, you know, I work on the environment, energy, climate issues, but we, we cover the gamut of budget and tax issues, of healthcare issues, of education. We cover a, a range of, uh, you know, domestic topics that are important in the states because we, we focus most of our effort on states. But uh, our goal is to turn out articles, to turn out pieces, no matter how complex the source material when I'm summarizing a scientific study, if the lay, you know, if a high school graduate can't understand what I'm writing, if the lay Wall Street Journal or a New York Times reader can't understand what I'm writing, then I've missed my goal. I've failed. So that's that's really a point of pride for us is to make it so when you read our stuff, you understand what's going on. Okay. And making science easy. So let's talk for a minute about what effect can man have on the climate? Oh. That's the biggie. Well, <laughs> you I, know, we can I, have, we can have all sorts of effects on the climate. Uh, the question is whether, I mean, when you're talking about so-called global climate change, whether yes. human CO2 emissions are driving dangerous anthropogenic warming and uh, we are adding carbon dioxide to the atmosphere, both through our energy use and through uh, through uh, deforestation, uh, because that that takes carbon out of the atmosphere. Um, we we are doing that. The question is whether uh, a rise in CO two is dangerous, and if so, if the dangers that we're going to try and prevent by stopping the rise in CO two are worse than ending the use of, of uh, fossil fuels and and you know converting <laughs> land to agriculture because we have people starving in the world and not a lot of people i know in the united states want to go back to the pleistocene so um that's the real point of contention well uh, the good news is i think as russia is holding back on their uh energy going to europe europe is now investigating opening up the coal mines that they had shut before. Yeah. Now, I keep on saying the fossil fuels are burning clean now, aren't they? Uh, uh, your modern coal-fired power plant, your modern natural gas plant emits very few true pollutants, by which I mean sulfur dioxide, which contribute, that con contribute to acid rain or, or particulate matter or uh, nitrogen, you know, dangerous things that are regulated as pollutants by the EPA. Um, we also emit less carbon dioxide, which is not dangerous. Uh, we exhale it every day. Uh, we, we release it every time we uh, open a carbonated beverage or uh, go get a fountain drink from your local fast food restaurant. Uh, no one dies from that. Um, but even that is going down as we improve the efficiency of our operations, uh, because it is, uh, it's not pollution, but it is uh, sort of a waste gas. We can use it for things. So we're reducing that all the time. We've reduced the dangerous, you know, real pollutants. Uh, modern power plants are safe. Um, and as importantly, or more importantly, they provide power you can count on. <laughs> they, they, yes. they don't, they don't go off just because the sun went down or the wind stopped blowing uh, because my refrigerator does better when it's operating, you know, 
<laughs> when it's operating. When it's cycling 24 hours a day uh, without regard to whether the sun is shining or the wind is blowing. My, uh, my lights work better that way. Uh, my life is better that way. Uh, you know, pe- people generally are better if they can go to hospitals when they have an emergency, not uh, wait until the power comes on to have an emergency or to have a birth at night, a difficult birth, um, to, to have medicines that don't go bad in the refrigeration system or to have modern uh, uh, x-rays and CT scanners and things that operate when people can uh, can get there, not when it happens to be convenient for the sun to shine or the wind to blow. Right. Imagine, imagine that. I read a very funny article um, and it was two tourists from Washington, D.C. rented their electric vehicle to drive through the mountains in West Virginia, which are quite beautiful. And as they did so and were driving in the mountains of West Virginia, their car stalled. They were out of power. And eight coal miners happened to be walking and they pushed the car. (laughs) I thought that was. So, so their, their electric vehicle is still powered by coal. Yes. That's what I was thinking to myself. I said, where does the electricity come from? (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, I've I've seen pictures in California. California is such a, a basket case. I, I'm, I'm trying to be kind. I'm trying not to it's say. It's hard. I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to say what I really feel about California, but uh, or at least the politicians out there in California and what they've done. Um, so two weeks ago, this just for, for a long time, California has been trying to shut down all of its nuclear power plants and they shut down all but one. And Governor Newsom and the Democrats have pushed for years to get it shut down. And, and finally, uh, Pacific Gas and Electric agreed to shut it down at about 2025, their last nuclear power plant supposed to go offline. Uh, at the same time, California passed a law under Newsom and the Democrat control um, to ban all internal combustion engines by 2035, uh, you know, for, for, for new cars. Uh, and they've already banned, uh, you know, gas powered lawn equipment and they're stopping hookups of new gas appliances and doing all sorts of things. Uh, they're going after the farmers as well. Um, and so a day after they pass the ban on the internal combustion engine, they have to send out an emergency power warning saying, don't charge your electric vehicle. What are you, <laughs> what, well, what are you supposed to do okay. if you want to go to work or go to the hospital or, you know, use your car as you normally would? What are they going to do in 2035 when this happens? Because the truth is, their power system, and who says this? This isn't saying this. This is their power regulator saying this. We're not prepared for this. We're nowhere near prepared for this. And it's not clear we'll be prepared in 2035 for this. They're adding ever and ever more demand for electric power in that state while they're removing reliable supply. And so hold that thought. Okay. We will have to be right back for a brief commercial. Don't go away, folks. You're listening to Karen Schoen and Sterling Burnett from the Heartland Institute. And we have much more to talk about. We'll be right back. This is Karen Schoen with the Prism of America's Education brought to you on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. 
You already know Genesis plus HOCL is your best defense against viruses. But did you also know it's the most powerful weapon for eliminating airborne mold too? Customers are raving about the Genesis Fogger's ability to tackle mold problems and the bad smells that go with them. And we all know mold is a hazard to your health. There's no airborne invader that Genesis can't handle. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. While many things we hear are lies, we know one thing is true. Viruses exist and people get sick. Look, there's no guaranteed way to keep from getting sick, but there is a way to reduce your chances. Cofix RX, the original povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray that you hear Dr. McCullough talking about, provides an additional invisible layer of protection from colds, flu, coronaviruses, and more. Click the banner ad on americaoutloud.com and use promo code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Stay protected with Cofix RX. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Welcome back, everyone. This is Karen Schoen. You're listening to the Prism of America's Education brought to you on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network with my wonderful sponsor who once again is involved in all types of choice legislation in the state of Florida. As things progress, I will share that information with you. And you can all go to the GoFLCA website and learn what the Alliance is doing and copy it for your state. And please, if you're doing something in your state, let us know. That's how we learn. That's how we grow. That's how we understand each other. And that's what America is all about. So as I have said many, many times, everything is connected. There's no such thing as a coincidence. Everything has a plan. And all plans are based on lies. Now think about that, folks. Everything that you have learned over the years is probably based on a lie because that's the way the left gets to change our history and put in a history that they want us to have. So the real question is now becoming, do you want some foreigner to tell you how to think, how to eat, how to uh, where you should live, the size of your house, what mode of transportation you should use, the job you should have, etc., etc.? Et Do you want somebody that 
anybody that you don't know, even if you do know, to tell you how to live your life, to tell you how to dream your dreams, and to tell you what they want your destiny to be. That's not living your life, that's living their life. And the way that they really started all of this was by using the climate believe it or not, we had hot, cold climate change. We're going to all freeze to death. We're all going to drown. We're all going to uh, all kinds of different things, whatever they could think of at the moment. And they were giving us a 10-year window, a 12-year window, a 20-year window. And guess what? Greenland is still here. And it hasn't melted into the ocean. And my guest... Sterling Burnett from the Heartland Institute will tell us all about it, won't you? Has Greenland sunk? Have the glaciers come down? And we're now looking at a naked Greenland that's no, going to no, destroy. Um, where were they? Oh, they were destroying Florida. I don't know where. Uh, I don't know where the glaciers stand right now. In the sense of, at one time, the Vikings first settled Greenland. And in a brilliant marketing ploy of the Vikings, they called it Greenland. <laughs> they said, oh, it's it's green here. It's verdant. Come settle. And they set up what were called what were considered permanent settlements. In other words, they weren't migrating through. They they built homes and and uh and uh started farming and used it as a launching point for their raids in North America and other places and and uh life was good for a short period of time and then the ice came back and the settlements became ceased to be permanent they ceased to exist at all and um uh the people who were sold on the idea of greenland probably were thinking this seems a lot more like iceland than greenland to me um but so they were abandoned. And I don't know if the ice is yet where it was when the Vikings settled Greenland, but uh, there's plenty of ice on Greenland. It waxes and wanes. It, it, some days, a lot of ice melts in a single day, but it doesn't reach the sea and it refreezes overnight. And the next day it's frozen again. And that's what the data show. So around the edges, uh, Greenland right now is above the average for uh, uh, 1990 to, uh, I mean, 1980 to 2010. It's above the 30-year average, the Danish Meteorological Institute. Yeah, that's not what you hear in the headlines. The headlines say it's melting faster than ever. But, uh, you know, there's what the, the news media tells you, and there's what the data says. And what the data from the Danish Meteorological Institute says is there's more ice now there now. Uh, they're having earlier regrowth now than they uh, do have on average for the 30-year period of 1980 to 2010. So, you know, take that for, for what you will. Does that mean that Greenland's at the edges is not contributing to uh, uh, sea level rise? I can't say that that's, that's true. Um, uh, some, some Antarctic ice is melting, and it's probably contributing some to sea level rise. But you know what? Uh, we came out of an ice age uh, between 18,000 and 12,000 years ago. We started coming out about 18,000 years ago. And most people think we, you know, finished coming out of it eight, 12,000 to, to maybe 10,000 years ago. And Greenland melted at a rapid rate and the seas rose. We've had seas rise more than 400 feet 
over the last 10,000 years. You'd think sea level rise never occurred before uh, uh, the New York Times heard James Hansen testify in 1988 before Congress that humans were causing climate change, but that's not the case. Uh, ask the Dutch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's very true. Uh, ask uh, anyone who's ever lived on the coast. Uh, ask the archaeologists who find undersea entire undersea civilizations that one time, uh, you know, were on the coast, or you know, as importantly, uh, go to go to Greece and Turkey and some of the places over the Mediterranean and find those cities that are right now thirty miles from the nearest water, and yet they had ports built up uh, <laughs> a while ago. Uh, seas wax and wane. There is no uh, consistent change around the globe with sea levels, and there's certainly no consistent melting of Greenland. Well, I guess the one true thing that we can glean from all of this is that climate changes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I, I think I think I could be wrong, and if I'm wrong, maybe one of your listeners will uh, correct me one day. I think it's Heraclitus who said you can't step you know in the same river twice that that uh, uh if you stand in it today the water that's there today won't be there tomorrow when you stand in it and uh, uh that's true for the climate look climate changes now it doesn't typically change overnight climate is measured by um, 30 year averages and so if you look at greenland you might find a year when gosh it's melting very very rapidly that happened in 2011 and in 2012 it lost a lot of ice but the next year, it stopped losing all that ice. Uh, and guess what? The same is true for almost anything. If you look at, you know, you farm. Ask any farmer whether he can count on the weather being the same year after year after year. Uh, yeah, he's going to laugh at you. He's like, are you crazy? Are you crazy? <laughs> right. Uh, no, of course. One year we'll get plentiful rain the next year we'll get too much rain and the wrong or the rain at the wrong time and the next year we won't get enough rain at all right those are that's weather and that's weather patterns climate is the average over a period of time and the average over a period of time for greenland um is a, a, a modest decline but not something that's going to put you out of your home in florida anytime soon Right. And I would ask all of those billionaires that are buying up all of the beachfront property from Miami-Dade all the way up to Palm Beach County, why are they buying houses on the beach if the ocean is going to rise and destroy their property? And what, what are we up to? What did she say? I guess we must be up to eight years now. Yeah, the same billionaires that are telling you that, uh, that the waters are going to swamp your uh your properties are the ones that are snapping up those properties when you sell them at a discount. I mean, yep. you have a president of the United States, Barack Obama, who was firmly convinced, or at least telling us he was firmly convinced that the seas were rising dangerous levels that we're about to near a tipping point, And we've got to, uh, got to do something about that. People are going to lose their coastal properties. Uh, we need to raise rates and all that stuff. And then he retires. And where does he buy his house and build his house? on the ocean on a barrier island yes uh, uh that tells you how convinced he is that sea levels are going to rise and swamp their property and, unless you know uh, maybe he's just a really really 
long-term thinking businessman and has really, really overinsured that property. And so he's waiting for the seas to rise so he can connect, collect. I don't know. But my <laughs> suspicion is that he just doesn't think it's going to be swamped anytime in his lifetime or his child's lifetime. I would have to agree with the latter. I don't think he thinks, nor do I think any of these other people think. And the next time somebody tells you the wonders of solar and wind, ask them when you can power a jet, come back and talk to me. Because until that happens, folks, solar and wind, as Sterling was mentioning, are probably the least most reliable. And everybody in this country should have seen what went on in Texas last year. And yet these people are so hell-bent on destroying the fossil fuel industry. And then you ask why, why would they want to destroy the fossil fuel industry? Remember what I said, this is really because they don't own it. So they will bankrupt it. And then the people will scream that they need fossil fuel. And then the government will kind of partner with the fossil fuel companies. That's fascism, in case you want to know what fascism really is. It's the partnering of the government with industry. And they partner it. Oh, this was a very good one, Sterling. If we could jump off weather for a minute, this is on the Second Amendment. The government asked Visa and MasterCard, and you said American Express. Why don't you tell? Well, now I, I want to. I have not seen that the government asked them that. It, oh, I, uh, I did read that that article okay. that they were okay. asked. Okay. No, I didn't say they weren't asked, but I didn't see that it was the federal government that asked them to do that. I saw that it was uh, anti-gun activists, uh, anti-Second Amendment activists, gun control groups asking uh, the three major credit card companies to uh, set up a separate category for gun sales. And um, they have all agreed to do so. Now, previously, gun sales had been under general merchandise, so you couldn't, you wouldn't know from looking at uh, Visa's um, records or, or uh, you know, American Express or MasterCard's records, uh, whether it was a gun sale or, I don't know, uh, an oil lamp, for instance. Um, but many other, in fact, most other goods and services have their own categories. So, you know, look, I, I, I believe as much as anyone, the government's out to get us and out to get your guns, especially. Um, I, uh, I, uh, I believe almost everything I, you know, yeah. I, I read a lot of stuff about guns. And so I believe, but this was driven by activists and, it will make it easier for activists and when the government gets around to doing it, uh, you know, properly. And I suspect their government's going to try and do that if we don't change who's running the government. Um, when they get around to it, this will make it easier to track who owns what guns and where. Uh, it's a backdoor. It's a backdoor uh, registration in a sense. The government's not officially allowed to keep computer records of. Uh, of everyone's guns purchases they have to keep paper records at the stores and then when the stores go um, close they have to send their records to the warehouse where the government keeps them this is a, a way to get around the uh, limits 
but right now it's not being driven by government. But I want to go back to something you said about um, about energy. So this is, in, to a large extent, about controlling how people, but it's also about, as you say, making a profit. The guy who used to, uh, who was uh, one of the leaders at the UN, um, uh, the, the UN's Global Environment Program, back when climate change became the main issue, um, Maurice Strong. Maurice Strong. He made millions in what industry? Oil in Canada. Mm -hmm. And when he sold it, when he sold his, uh, then when he sold his oil company and sold his oil stocks and sold all that, then he became an anti-oil activist. Uh, Tom, uh, Tom, uh, oh gosh, I can't remember Tom, what's his name? Uh, he put m m tens of millions of dollars in elections the last few cycles. He made his money as an investment banker in coal. <laughs> and when he got out of investment banking, then he started making his money off subsidies for wind. And so he started promoting wind and promoting candidates that promoted wind. Uh, Al Gore, you know, there are a few people that are identified as climate warriors, more identified with the movement than Al Gore. Um, and so somehow when he leaves office, he is uh, a prime owner of a television company. Um, and the television company gets sold. And uh, who did he sell it to? Well, Al Jazeera. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. The the, the government behind Al Jazeera. Uh, I forget whether it's the United Arab Emirates, the Emirates or or the or Oman, but I think it's UAE. And where do they get most of their money from? Oil. Look, this is all about money and power. Uh, Berkshire Hathaway. Uh, I, I have a lot of good things to say about. Uh, uh, the, the Oracle of Omaha. Um, but he doesn't like gas pipelines. Well, he doesn't own gas pipelines, but you know what he does own? Railroads. So he wants to ship, he, he pushes, he says, oh, pipelines are terrible, pipelines are terrible, but we like to ship natural gas through rail. And he makes a lot of money off that. And every time he can help stop a, a gas pipeline be built, he's, he's making more money on his rail. Now, what they don't tell you is that shipping gas through rail and shipping oil through rail uh, is more dangerous, has more accidents, has more spills than shipping oil or gas through pipelines, but it's money in his pocket, Warren Buffett. So um, you have to look behind the scenes. And then if we could for just a moment, go back to California where we were uh, earlier in our conversation because so Gavin Newsom and the Democrats pushed to get the nuclear plant closed and then the power emergency. And it's odd that it's a power emergency because it happens every year. They know it's coming every year. The, the power regulator in the state tells them starting in April, we don't have enough capacity. We're going to have rolling blackouts. We're going to have problems. Uh, so it's sort of a planned emergency or at least an anticipated emergency so what does he do they agree they no they, they don't agree they, they pass a law that will keep the diablo canyon nuclear plant open to 2035 uh, it was supposed to close in 2025 at their behest and with public funding so now the government that which pushed this company to put this power plant out of business is going to pay this company big bucks to keep it open 
which it would have done anyway had the government not gotten involved in the first place. Uh, they, they passed regulations, Newsom passed regulations um, that waives environmental laws, clean air laws. Sorry, we're going to pollute today. We're going to pollute for the next week. We may pollute for the next two weeks because we're in a power emergency. Why are they in that power emergency? <laughs> it's because they shut down all the reliable power plants. Is this uh, a bad movie? <laughs> well, you'd think. Yeah, if, if, if this was an Abbott and Costello movie, uh, it would you'd, be perfect. you'd laugh at it. You'd laugh at it, but you'd know it couldn't be true. Uh, but it is true, and it's not a movie. Uh these guys, you know, we've taken a power system, not just in California, but in other parts of the U.S., across the nation. We're increasingly taking a power system that was designed by engineers and worked well and provided power on a regular basis, except, you know, during real emergencies, a tornado comes through and knocks down the power generators, things like that. Um, and we've, we're replacing it with uh, a power system designed by politicians who aren't engineers, uh, who are woke. And uh, we can see what happens when you do that over in Germany and elsewhere, where they're talking about literal forced rationing and penalties and fines. If you turn up your thermostat too much at the wrong time of year, if you burn the wrong stuff for fuel, we're going to come into your homes and clap the cuffs on you. That's Orwell, man. That certainly and they, is. And they created it. They, yes. they created the problem that they are now throwing up their hands saying, we don't know how we got here and we don't know how to fix it. Germany uh, closed its coal plants. Now it's opening coal plants to, so, to go to wind and solar. They also, so Fukushima in Japan, we had the, we had the, the, uh, the, uh, the earthquake and the tidal wave. And it, there was a really old style um, nuclear plant on the coast that got swamped and caused a lot of problems. I'm not saying it didn't. It did. Um, it didn't explode or it didn't melt down like people talk about, you know, the, the, the old, what was that movie? Uh, uh, the, uh, I forget the California thing with Michael Douglas. Uh, in any case, um, you know, it, it didn't have that um, happen, but it, it did cause problems. And what was Germany's response? <laughs> well, we got to close down our nuclear power plants. I don't know. I did. I forgot that Germany was an Island. Uh that was that was volcanically and and uh geologically active that had power plants on the coast that had been swamped oh wait it's none of those things um and somehow they took the lesson from an island uh that is, is volcanically and geologically active uh with really bad des badly designed power plants that we got to close our modern power plants that don't face any of the dangers that Fukushima did. So they started closing them. They've got three left. Now they're going to keep the three open for a little while and they're going to reopen their coal. And today, uh, a member of the UN, uh, UN's human rights body says, no, 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 Europe, you can't start using fossil fuels again. Don't be doing this. You got to think about the climate crisis. You got to wear your hair shirt. People have to die from the cold, uh, shivering in their homes. You're just going to have to live with that because we got to protect uh the planet and that is the big lie so once go. again they have been lying and lying and lying and this is what they want now why would you think they would be 
not worried about people dying because their goal is depopulation. There are too many of us to be controlled. So they have to do it by coming up with things that will help us to kill ourselves. So we will commit suicide to, quote, save the planet from ourselves, because that's about what we're doing. Uh, we're not saving the planet from anything else. What are we saving it from when none of the things that we can do will make one bit of difference at all? All of these things are control. So every time you see the word climate, think of control, because that's what this is. Is this a control policy? Is it a control change? Yes, they want us dead. And after that, those of us that have survived, we will certainly be so happy to give up our guns for food. We'll be dear leader. You know, well, look, we fly satellites over the world uh, daily, nightly, and we can see one really big dark spot. There's several, but the, the, the one main darkest, darkest spot on the globe is North Korea. They want North Korea for the world where I'm sorry, Kim Jong-un doesn't live badly, even in North Korea. <laughs> if he wants lobster, he's eating lobster. If he wants women and so wine and song, he's getting it all. Uh, he lives well. His uh, sycophants around him, until he, they make a mistake and he executes them, they live well. Uh, but everyone else lives pretty poor. Their, you know, their, their growth is stunted. Their, their education is poor. Uh, this is what the elites want for, for the rest of the world. Yes. They, and want, they want it. Now you said, you said that there's nothing we can do. We can, we can all become North Korea. We can give our power over to dictators that can shut down the power system. Cause that's why it's dark there. They don't have power. Uh, and we can just have trees, this vast area of trees. And if that's your idea of an environmental nirvana, now, frankly, the earth, doesn't care the earth abides the earth is not a living being it's a rock in space that has the right atmosphere that life developed in uh-oh you just destroyed gear yeah, <laughs> who are they gonna pray to now <laughs> even the guy that came up with the gaia hypothesis rejected climate change at the end of his life he, he died just recently um uh uh, James Lovelock. Oh, yes. Yeah, Correct. he died right. recently, but before he died, he rejected climate alarmism in the end. Well, they are never going to reject any type of alarmism. And we have to recognize, folks, that this <clears throat> is a diversion. This is a diversion. This is a diversion that we have to pay attention to because we are taking our eyes off the ball, which is all of the illegals coming into the country and the massive inflation due to their stupid policies regarding energy. But they believe that those people that control the energy control the country and those people that control the food control the people. 
And that's what their goals are. Sterling, I'm really sorry that it, we're almost at the end of the show. Yeah. I can't believe that the time has been so quick. So therefore, I'm going to ask you to come back because we have a lot more to talk about. Well, sadly, <laughs> in one sense, we'll always have plenty to talk about. Uh, my, my mother used to work for Social Security, and I worked for a different company, uh, organization. And I told her, we went to lunch one day, and I told her, I said, Mom, you realize I'm trying to put put you out of work. I, you know, my, my organization wants to privatize retirement and Social Security. And she laughed and laughed, and she said, son, do your worst. <laughs> <laughs> she was very, very right. Yeah, she Please. was prescient. You know, it's like, look, we're, we're going to always have plenty to talk about because there's always someone trying to pull some shenanigan on some on, yes. on the public. Unfortunately, there is always going to be evil. We just have to be prepared for it, everyone, and go to withdrawun.substack.com and put your name on the petition to get us out of the United Nations. This is a worldwide effort. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Worldwide, folks. People are waking up and they are saying, no, we are not going to listen to these communists anymore. And isn't that a wonderful thing? Sterling, tell everyone where they can find you. www.heartland.org. They can sign up for my newsletter, Climate Change Weekly, and they can go daily to Climate Realism. Okay, everyone, hope you had a wonderful time. Hope you learned a lot because that's what this is all about. We want to give you enough ammunition so that you can go out and when these idiots make stupid comments like they do, you get to say, could you give me an example of that? Could you give me an example of that? Could you show me how that works? Can you tell me what, where, you're, where I can find what you just said? Be your own fact checker because we are not going to have much to fact check if we allow them to continue their lies. We have to call them out and tell the truth. Have a wonderful week, folks. See you again next time. This is Karen Schoen. You're listening to the Prism of America's Education, brought to you on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. But I'll always stand proud and free. I'm America, don't tread on me. I'm America. Yes, America.